Hey there, Off The Grid listener. Let's take a moment to dream a little dream together. What if you didn't need to be perfect? You didn't need to start over. You didn't need to be small and quiet so you never caused harm. And you didn't need to do it alone or just try harder. What if instead you could get support at a nervous system level to weather whatever happens in your business? And you could learn trauma-informed best practices for your work that end cycles of freezing, fawning, or people-pleasing. What if you could be held in deep care as you practice honoring your boundaries and amending and accounting for inevitable harm? If any of these dreams are resonating, I want to invite you to join Foundations, a hybrid training container to strengthen your trauma-informed care and business practices taught by podcast sponsor and somatic trauma-informed practitioner, Jess Jackson. Foundations gathers May 17th through 19th with live trainings and a virtual portal with an actionable curriculum. Learn more and save your spot at the link in the show notes. Welcome to Off The Grid, a podcast for small business owners who want to leave social media without losing all their clients. Let's go off the grid. Okay. Let's go. Have you ever wished that you could have a successful business without social media? Well, you're in luck. I'm Amelia Ruby, writer, speaker, and founder of Softer Sounds Podcast Studio. On this show, I share stories, strategies, and experiments for growing your business with radical generosity and energetic sovereignty. Download the free Leaving Social Media Toolkit at softersounds.studio slash buy IG, that's B-Y-E-I-G, and join us in doing it all off the grid. Let's go off the grid. Okay. Let's go off the grid. Okay. I know that you really want to put your phone away. Yeah. Let's Hello and welcome or welcome back to Off the Grid. I'm your host, Amelia Ruby, and on this show, I share stories, strategies, and experiments for growing your business with no or minimal social media presence. Those stories, strategies, and experiments come from my journey, leaving social media and launching a successful business without it. That business is Softer Sounds Podcast Studio. I'm also the co-founder of the Lifestyle Business League. And here on this show, I interview so many creatives, artists, and former influencers who are doing things differently and leaving social media behind in the process. Today's guest is no exception to that. I'm so excited to have her on the show and to take our conversations in new and exciting directions. Before we dive in with her, I want to make sure that you know about the Leaving Social Media Toolkit. This is the free resource that I've developed alongside this podcast that shares a five-step plan for leaving any social platform, my list of 100 ways to share your work off social media, and a creative marketing experiments database for planning quarterly marketing experiments that will help you reach a new audience, nurture your existing community, and sell your work with ease and fun and joy and pleasure and abundance and all of those things we want more of in our businesses. So you can head to the show notes or to softersounds.studio slash buy IG, that's B-Y-E-I-G, to get the toolkit for free today. Now, let me tell you more about today's guest. Lauren Ash is an artist, a writer, a wellness practitioner, teaching yoga and meditation, a community gatherer, and the founder of Black Girl in Ohm. She is also a former quote unquote influencer. And in this episode, we're going to talk about her social media journey, starting an Instagram account to share cute pics of her and her friends, growing it to over 50,000 followers, cultivating a roster of paid partnerships that I will admit used to make me envious, and then deciding to walk away from it all just under a year ago. This conversation is so open, so honest, and like everything Lauren does, really weaves in the embodied, the spiritual, the practical, and the community-oriented. So I'm really honored to be able to share it with you here today. 
If you've ever thought that you could never leave Instagram because of the type of work that you do or the goals that you have, I think I can confidently say that Lauren is here to show us that you can do things in a way that makes you feel good, that feels aligned with your purpose, that feels aligned with your spirit and brings your dreams to life. Make sure you stick around to the end of the episode where Lauren talks more about her vision for embodying liberation from the social media matrix for more black women and women of color, as well as how she's currently building algorithm free communities for black women and wellness practitioners like herself. I think that's plenty of hype for this heartfelt and full of fun conversation. So let's go ahead and dive on in. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to Off the Grid. Hey. I'm so pumped that you're here. For listeners who don't know, you sent me an amazing email. Well, I guess none of them know because I don't, they don't read my emails, but <laughs> <laughs> no one knows but us. <laughs> but you sent me an amazing email that opened this conversation all about your journey leaving social media, your journey stepping away from work as a quote unquote influencer. We're going to talk about why you don't like that term. And then also, we're going to talk about this beautiful vision you have for the work that you want to do to help and empower more Black women and women of color to step off this sort of social media hamster wheel that you've liberated yourself from. So we're going to get into so much in this conversation. I'm so excited. Let's just dive in. Let's do it. You see my little shoulder dance over here. I know. You see that I'm excited. <laughs> You're like, ready to go. <laughs> I love it. So I want to start by taking it back. And this might be taking it back quite a while. But I'd love to hear about like, when did you get on Instagram? And how did you end up there back in the very beginning? So I got on Instagram when I was in grad school. And the first photos, at least in my mind that I can remember posting on there were just like photos of me and my friends in grad school. So, you know, from now that's about a decade ago. And I used it at the time to just take cute photos and share them. It was really just like me just being regular and sharing it yeah. <laughs> on this place <laughs> called Instagram that very little people knew about. So it was, you know, an extension of honestly what I've done since I was a child and taken a lot of delight in doing, which is documenting my life and sharing it for me. So that was like the origin of my relationship with Instagram. So how did it go then from documenting your life and sharing it? And then you have this journey where you started sharing more wellness content, you built a community on Instagram. Take us through how it started to transform and what that was like. You know, fast forward, I guess, from the beginning of my journey and my relationship with Instagram, about three or four years, right? I was living in Chicago and I, like many people, I think at all stages in life, but like many 20 something millennials trying to find my purpose, trying to find myself. And at the time I was doing that through my career, which I don't think is unusual to do. And I was in my first, you know, nine to five job and I really wasn't feeling it. And I, decided to follow my curiosity, which is what I always invite and encourage people to do when they're feeling lost in life. And at the time I followed mine, which was my wellness practice, specifically through yoga at the time. So I said, you know, I'm not really feeling my day job. So let me enroll in yoga teacher training so that I can find fulfillment in something that I know brings me life. And that feels good for my body, my mind and my spirit outside of these 40 hours a week, right? And it was at that moment of me following my curiosity, trusting my intuition and saying yes to that, that honestly, everything started opening up for me. I just felt myself really come alive. And it was in one of those yoga classes very early on in my yoga teacher training that the phrase black girl and ohm really just landed on my spirit. And I started writing about what it could be and what I really started doing at the time. And I can see this clearly looking back, which I, I really started like visioning and co-creating with God, like what that was going to be, which was especially at the time, a community, an in-person community at that, 
really centering on the needs of Black women in the wellness space at large. Because myself at that time, having been a Black woman and well-being and healing and, you know, intentional living, I was not at that time yet tapped into other Black women who also loved those things too. I always just found myself looking around all my yoga studios in particular saying, why am I the only one? And why have I rarely, if ever, had a Black woman or a woman of color guiding me through an experience here? So it was shortly after yoga teacher training that I ended up launching Black Girl and Ohm with the encouragement of so many amazing people that I had met in Chicago. And it really snowballed from there, right? And in the very beginning stages of Black Girl and Ohm, again, it was very, very much centered on an in-person community, but because of my particular passion, like I spoke about a moment ago of documenting my life and sharing that with other people as a means to inspire them, I also can reflect back now that that was also when I started using Instagram in a more specific and deliberate way. So this was about 2013, 14, right? I started using it to specifically and deliberately share myself doing things in my life and in my lifestyle that really emphasized, you know, intentional living, being well, being well with other Black women, being well with other people of color. Because quite honestly, I had been trained in graduate school to really be intentional about like adding to the canon of like Black feminist, womanist individuals who were creating alternative realities for us as Black women and the powerful truth really of when we center the needs and the specific kind of ways that Black women can be more radically taken care of and considered than like everybody benefits, period. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was like participating in like adding to that tradition. And I'd also been trained quite honestly, I, I worked at Penumbra Theater Company off and on throughout my graduate studies and right after it before moving to Chicago. And Penumbra Theater is our nation's largest Black theater company. August Wilson's work was shaped there as a playwright. And I really have to mention like my experience there and, and the ways that like my consciousness was sharpened there as also a Black artist and Black creative within the tradition of the Black arts movement, really, really powerfully knowing how much representation matters, like on a huge, huge, huge level, you know, we would do things like watch documentaries that really spoke to the ways that like, you know, image making over time has been used to harm and then image making over time has been used to heal. Mm. And so I say all this to say that Instagram, again, at the time was a very, very powerful tool for me and my growing team and community to create images like real images of us, like in a healing space, healing setting, being well and intentional in relationship with ourselves and in relationship with one another. You know, when I also just think about like what Instagram was at the time in general, at least from my experience with it, it was a space where you could really tap in and see things that you weren't necessarily able to tap into in your local community. And so I think that I was truly creating what I didn't see in the world (laughs) and perpetuating that out. And also then what came of that was really, really organic and natural connections that were happening with people all over the world. You know, some of my closest friends, some of my strongest collaborators, and partners over the years have been because we connected on Instagram because we were both doing something that the other person was like, wait, you do this? You're into this too? In the beginning, it was a very beautiful tool, again, for connection, for representation, for image making, and all the ways that I hadn't previously been tapped into or been able to have access to. I just feel so much like joy and connectedness in what you're saying. I loved the piece you brought in about how images can heal us and the ways that at that point, then your Instagram presence can be a healing practice. Yes. I feel that really deeply. And then it also does make me personally like sad for how Instagram has transformed and realizing like how far away that feels at this stage. Yeah. But I don't want to jump too far ahead. (laughs) 
So I want to still continue the story chronologically before we we get to where you're at and Instagram is at now. And so you're building this community. It started in person, but it grows over Instagram. You now have connected with people all over the world, both personally and people are connecting through Instagram, through these images, through Black Girl and Ohm. I think at that point, the way you talked about it, it sounds like you really, your role was to be an artist, to be a teacher, to be a community builder. Where then does some of the more like brand partnership work and things we might quote unquote call like influencing, how did that start to come into play with what you were doing on Instagram? Yeah, that's an interesting question too. So what I can remember pretty visibly was that with the growing Instagram account that can very easily start to signal to brand partners, especially brand partners, in my experience, that are trying to authentically, and I'm using air quotes with that as well, but authentically Mm -hmm. connect with Black female audiences and like reach them in ways that they can't do or they can't do in an authentic way independent of a partnership with a Black creator, it signals like, oh, this person's or this account, we need to do something with them, right? Yeah. So I can remember because I always, you know, with Black Girl and Ohm would collaborate with other photographers and other visual artists. Very early on, for example, my friend Zakia Najiba, she was our art director. From day one, I knew that I wanted to align myself with other Black women, other Black people that were image makers, like photographers, art directors, creative directors, to create not just like a pretty picture, <laughs> but mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. to create, you know, yes, beauty, but also something that really spoke on a spiritual level. To, to us, right? So there was also that appeal to the potential brand partners, right? They were like, oh, not only are they reaching a growing niche of Black women who are interested in wellness, well-being, beauty, all of these things, of course, that are connected to capital because we live in the United States, very capitalist society. We already know the value of the Black consumer, if you will, And so it's all like, you know, money signs. (laughs) (laughs) But me, you know, I'm really just like, oh, such and such brand wants to like create. Cool. Yeah. Send me a little gift. I love gifts. And oh, you want to like, quote unquote, work together? Like, great. So, you know, I'm like kind of speaking in like brash (laughs) ways right now. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) I have enjoyed so many of the brand partnerships that I have been blessed to be able to do over the years. And at the same time, I love the way that you kind of led us into this part of the conversation, Amelia, around identifying that first and foremost, I am a artist, a creative, a wellness practitioner, right? And so the cloudiness, I think, the stickiness that I can see and that I know, because I have had these conversations, that other Black female influencers can have around this. And again, I'm using air quotes. That's going to be the quote from this conversation, air quotes. <laughs> but like influencers, like I'm, I'm saying that because we are so many other things before we're influencers, but that we can talk about that in a second. But like we can forget about our other identities because then the money can take up so much space, the need to get another check to continue to like take care of all these things that you have to take care of both for yourself and for your business and for, you know, all the things like I would often find myself getting like lost in it, just like, oh, such and such wants to work. Great. Such and such wants to work. Great. And I ended up getting a really amazing manager, Tiffany Harden. She and I have a, a, a podcast episode together on my podcast, Black Girl and Own, that people have really appreciated talking about what it means to be in conscious partnership, equitable partnership. And I ended up tapping her at the encouragement of my ex boyfriend actually who was like it seems like you're juggling a lot like why don't you get someone to help you like both build your business as well as navigate all these like partnerships right because at the time like black girl home really was the wellness space and brand and community for black women on their wellness journeys again i Mm -hmm. still affirm that that is the case now 
And at the time, it was really just like a pioneering energy around it, particularly for Black millennial women, you know, like, Mm -hmm. we come from a generation of parents who like small, small, small percentage of them had access to conversations like healing and therapy and you know, things like eating mindfully, like we already know all the statistics about diabetes within the black community, heart disease within the black community, all the things. And so energetically, and otherwise, the time that I launched Black Girl to Ohm and created a really strong team around it to really help us bring all the many different facets of it to life, it really was a catalyst for so many of the black you know, centered wellness brands that are out and thriving today. And I'm really proud of that. I love that. And there are really interesting kind of dynamics of growing a business, a company, a community, a brand that is in the digital space and in real life. Because digital spaces always evolve and change in ways that might actually eventually be antithetical to what it is that you're trying to do in the world. And so when that happens, what do you do? You just keep on saying, well, I have to be here because X, Y, Z. I used to think that. I think subconsciously, I don't believe that anymore. It's been a journey, Amelia. (laughs) (laughs) I can't imagine it has. So what I'm hearing you start to weave together is the ways that Black Girl and Ulm was doing something so innovative, so important and impactful. It was both doing something really new, but also like grounded in a legacy of work that you had done and people you'd worked with and learned from had done in the Black community and the Black arts community, very grounded in that legacy and inviting in presence and newness and the future. And I hear that and how you're talking about it now. And I think what I witnessed was really the community grow to, you know, tens of thousands and tens and tens of thousands of followers on Instagram, Mm -hmm. millions of downloads of your podcast, you personally and Black Girl and Ohm, I think we're doing brand partnerships with global brands, big names. Yeah, you had a team, like it really grew from your love of sharing your documenting and sharing your life, which is such a like human design three, five thing, right? Just to be like the one doing the thing and putting it out there. But it grew from that into this whole enterprise ecosystem, like bigger than life almost. When did it start to shift for you? From like, we're growing and we're growing, it's getting bigger to now you've talked about you're in more of like a contractive moment, a pause, like, where along the journey did things start to, to shift and change and transform? And did you realize like, oh, maybe these tools aren't going to allow me to build the type of community with these goals that I have for us? I mean, I think there's like many different moments that I can look back on. And a lot of them kind of rub up against like a really big lifelong journey that I can recognize is just like a part of my path. I think it's also very like part of the human condition, if you will. But Mm -hmm. I think it's been really present for me, which is my journey of having unconditional love for myself, regardless of what I do, and regardless of what I put out in the world. And Mm -hmm. how I started to see the ways in which being on a platform like Instagram, which is incredibly performative, to be honest, You know, like you are in these little boxes sharing an image and sharing some words that other people are consuming in one way or another. And because of the nature of how Instagram functions as an app now, it's both intentionally and subtly like creating an energy of comparison. I think you have to literally like actively resist as a creator on there the very like real kind of energy of like always needing to prove or show something from a place of like, look at me. Like I say that because again, one of my touch points in this journey is a moment where I basically realized like how much is this massive thing that I have said that I'm going to undertake coming from an authentic place or coming from a place of me feeling like I have to prove myself again. Hmm. Like, and I started to realize like, I actually didn't know, like I didn't know how to answer Mm -hmm. that question. So in 2020, when I had moved back to Minneapolis the same week as the pandemic, 
And it made no logical sense. I was living my best life in LA. Like truly, I had only moved out there a little less than a year prior from seven years in Chicago. And I had always told myself, like, I'm not moving back to Minnesota. Like, why would I go back there? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And literally the same week that I moved back, the pandemic was spreading. And I was like, oh, this is probably better for me to be back home during like a very strange, scary, unknown time. And then a few months later, George Floyd was killed. You know, I'm living in the suburbs, but he was killed in the Twin Cities at large. And I was just like, wow, this is intense. And from that intensity, I propelled forward in, you know, announcing and and making moves to create a physical healing space in Minneapolis. And, you know, raised money. The community was and is always so, 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 so supportive. Like, I love my community. And just for context, like I had gotten a, I had signed a lease on a building, <laughs> like I had the space, but I was feeling like this inner like resistance and like angst about it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of that is just like normal. Of course, it's like, wow, whenever you say you're going to do something big and then you're doing it, it's like scary. Right. But I also was kind of going back to the drawing board of what I had really started to realize when I turned 30, which was and still is, wait, how much of what you're doing right now is because of a expectation that you have put on yourself that you think like is actually outside of you. Hmm. And you think that if you don't do this thing, you're not going to be loved. You're not going to matter. You're not going to be supported X, Y, Z. And I just like found myself getting into like a state of like depression and anxiety around it as a black woman who's a business owner, moving forward during a global pandemic, like me moving forward with that during that timeframe was a lot, <laughs> like a lot, yeah. a lot. And I was having meetings with my team and they were like, Lauren, like, it's okay if you like, don't do this. Like it's called a pivot and people do that all the time. And I was like, no, because then people won't trust me and believe that I'm going to do what I say. I do. Like I was putting so much pressure on myself to move forward by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. And I was like really having a hard time to let go of that vision, like a very hard time to say the least. And I was just so fearful of what the external kind of response would be. Like literally when I, I remember going to a park and like writing up like basically what my email was going to say to announce people that I wasn't doing it. I was like so afraid. And when I finally hit send, I was still afraid. But the response that I got from people was so overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly supportive. And Mm -hmm. so how for me, this comes back to social media is again, that was like a marker in my journey where I was like, Wait, like, let's just imagine for a second that Instagram didn't have the follower count and you had no idea how many people followed you. How would that feel? Would you still feel, these are just hypothetical questions, I guess, for people to sit with. (laughs) Would you still feel as inspired and motivated to continue to share images, continue to share your words, continue to share your presence or not? Would you feel as much that energy of comparison and going to someone else's profile and seeing what they're doing, if those numbers didn't even exist. We can't even actually really think about that because guess what? The numbers are there and they do very real things to us psychologically. Mm -hmm. So I remember like over the years, in the beginning years of Black Girl and Ohm, and when I say beginning years, I mean like year one through like five. I was honestly just like going, 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 doing, 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 boop, boop, boop. And it was really when the pandemic hit that I was like in my house with my thoughts and I was still doing a lot. I, I had a whole digital monthly membership community that served upwards of 200 women consistently for two years. But like 2020 through 2022 was honestly me looking up for the first time from a bird's eye view and being like, wait, what have I been doing these past few years? How many people are in this community? Wait, what? Like, you don't really see it. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't really see it for a long time. I was like, Oh, like, yeah, this is a big deal, huh? (laughs) It's like, it's, it's very strange. Like, I think, you know, because my nature is so go, go, go very fast paced, I can very easily just like, get into the flow and like, not realize even like how epic something is, or how exciting something is, or how impactful something is. Until like, way later. And then people are like, Yeah, girl, you've been doing that for a minute. And I'm like, really? 
who's that though? It was hard for me to like see myself and also, yeah, the, the version of me online, which was a very still real person, but it's still a version of you. Like whatever we put online is not us in our entirety. It's a piece of us. And my best friend would always say things like, I really like Lauren Ash, but I really love you to really make a point Mm. that like this persona, which is me, I'm not out here being fake. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Cause like some people, we don't need to talk about that, but (laughs) (laughs) like, I'm not that, you know, but it's still not me. It's still not me when like the lights are off and I'm by myself in the middle of nowhere. Like it's just, it's, it's different. It's an avatar. It is period. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think is why many, I would say influencers, but just a lot of people who just share online consistently can oftentimes get into mental health situations. Let's call them like they can have depression, they can have anxiety and they can feel like they don't really know who they are. And that was certainly a part of what I ended up going through. It's like, who are you if you're not this, you know, Mm -hmm. especially when you're income or like you're making a living when that is intertwined in this avatar in this persona and in you continuing to perform that persona I just talked to so many people who that eventually just like end up feeling fully like alienated or dissociated from any sense of like who they are or like a real self because all their money and so much of their time is tied up in the performance of that yeah and I would see examples of that so like You know, I really, I was like a little Instagram girl, you know, I was sharing my IG lives. I was so excited to like everything I was doing, I was excited about. Like Mm -hmm. I was sharing like my little runs to the ocean when I lived in California. I was sharing my morning smoothies. I was like sharing reflections for people to be inspired by. Like everything that I did was really to inspire people, especially black women to live their best lives. And that's still very much a part of my ethos now. But Again, because of the changing nature of the app itself, over time, doing those things felt less and less good. I was like, wait, why do I like not feel like I want to do this anymore? Even though like, like I'm still living this particular life that I want people to like, be able to be inspired by. And I'm also just going through life like everybody is. And I want to be real in certain ways about that too but why not but it's because to me inherently like the app changed and those changes no longer supported me energetically and feeling how I wanted to feel and I eventually had to be brutally honest about that and divest from it yeah what I'm hearing and what you're saying too is that you were on Instagram because you wanted to help yourself And black women and women of color live their best lives. And then what switched is you started to realize like, maybe we can't live our best lives on Instagram Mm -hmm. because of the, what the platform is doing, how it's changing and all of the things that are happening here. Hi, Off The Grid listeners, Amelia here interrupting our conversation today because I want to share with you one of my favorite marketing tools. When I left Instagram, I invited all of my followers to subscribe to my mailing list in order to keep in touch with me. And I promised to send them monthly-ish notes on a lot of the themes I used to talk about on social media. I've used many email service providers in my day, but my favorite of all of them is Flowdesk. Flowdesk is a gorgeous, easy to use email service provider. It helps you create beautiful, thoughtful emails, and even better, it's really set up to help you create easy to use landing pages so people can join your list and workflows so you can automate sending messages to folks who sign up through different pages. Flowdesk is how I run all of the welcome sequences and lead magnets at Softer Sounds. It's also how I run the Leaving Social Media Toolkit that you might have downloaded after listening to this podcast. I'm surely not sending those emails out myself manually. Flowdesk is doing all of that automatically. If you'd like to give Flowdesk a try, please use my affiliate link below in the show notes. You'll get a discount, I'll get a kickback, and we will all send more beautiful emails together. 
Again, check out the affiliate link in the show notes. For now, we're going to get back to this episode of Off the Grid. And I think this takes us to your decision to to leave Instagram. So could you share a little more about, I know we joked when we first spoke, you were like, Amelia, you tell people not to ghost your followers. And I totally did. <laughs> and I'm like, that's yep. great. People want to hear how you did it because people don't like when I tell them not to ghost their followers. <laughs> so yeah. tell us like, when did you leave Instagram? How did that happen? How did you tell people about it? Take us to that moment or that time period. Well, first of all, I I don't know if you know this, but I actually left Instagram once before this moment too. I've heard you mention it, but I'd love to hear when like, yeah, tell us about that time. And then this more recent time. Yeah. So I first left Instagram for a month. And when I say left, I don't mean a social media break, like where you just leave it up and leave like, or don't log in or whatever people do. I just deactivated it. So like, for all intents and purposes, I was like gone and people either thought that I blocked them or were like, wait, what's happening with Lauren? (laughs) And that was in 2021, I think, or maybe it was, yeah, I think it was 2021. And that was a weird experience, like leaving an app completely, especially when you're so present there, it feels very weird. Like it does not feel good. Mm. I think the feeling good comes later. At least it did for me. I can only, I guess, speak from my own experience, but because of the addictive nature of I think Instagram in particular, it's like anything that you're withdrawing from when you leave it, you know, mm-hmm. even if you like the thing, that's the, that's the thing. Like there are addicts <laughs> of a variety of things. Yeah. When you put it down, you're going to feel some type of way in your body and your nervous system and your mind. And so I remember that month, like, for example, I went to Maui actually with a friend who had invited me to go with her family there. I remember feeling like, oh, this is interesting that I'm like here on this beautiful trip and not sharing it, right? Because I was so used to doing that. And then fast forward to when I left left and haven't come back. (laughs) That was (laughs) the week leading up to Halloween of 2022. So I'm coming up on one year. Hey, You are. Um, And I left in a very emotional moment. The best way I can describe it is that life was lifing. I had moved to New Orleans about four months prior to this moment. And I really moved there for a few reasons. But one of the reasons was me just trying to kind of force the next chapter of my life into happening because Mm. I was feeling really stuck and angsty in Minnesota. And I was just like, let me just get on with my life. And I had gone to Essence Fest because I'd been booked to do some things with a brand actually. And I was guiding yoga and I was in community again and it brought me a wave of life that I loved. And I said, let me just get a change of scenery and move here. But, you know, the best way I can describe it is really just like going from one side of the pendulum swing to the other. Like I went Mm. from a very low, I felt stuck. I felt stagnant. I was stuck and I was stagnant place in my life. And then swung all the way to like being in the sun, being in the light, being in the beauty of New Orleans. And just wanting to like press next, press next chapter, please press play. And I did. And I was really living a beautiful life down there. And then when a a number of things just started happening or a number of things that weren't happening that I wanted to happen, that then when they weren't happening, I was internalizing and, and, and interpreting as like, I'm not doing what I need to be doing. Like, God doesn't love me. Like it was just a bunch of negative self-talk and I was just like repeating it. And then it was a very spontaneous moment. Honestly, I just picked up my phone and I archived everything on my Instagram. And then literally like 15 minutes after that, I was like, I'm just going to deactivate it. And it wasn't like a conscious thing, right? I wasn't like, I'm going through it mentally. So I'm going to now do this. It was just like, like I'm a spontaneous person. I'm very spontaneous, honestly. Yeah. So I just left it. And, you know, for context too, like that was the same year that I like did this massive campaign with Athleta. I'm pretty sure they were still promoting that on social media. A really big campaign just was launched with this like luxury Italian brand, Laura Piana that had just gone up as well. Like there were things, to be shared <laughs> on the gram, so to speak. <laughs> and I was just like, I'm leaving. And yeah, that just kind of shows the the mental space that I was in. I'm just like, I can't, I really can't. 
I find this story really refreshing because I am perhaps the opposite of a spontaneous person. I am such a like strategic person. I'm so in my head about things. I have to like really think through a choice. And so that's often what then how I talk on the podcast. And I love hearing your story of it just kind of like, it was the time, it was a feeling, I did it. And now it's almost been a year. I am curious, you kind of touched on there at the end, like even when you left, you were in the midst of these brand partnerships and these big things happening. How has that piece of your work evolved since leaving Instagram? Did stepping away from Instagram mean you had to stop doing brand partnerships? Did you choose to stop doing them regardless of Instagram? Like, how has that kind of transformed your role as like a quote unquote influencer? And maybe now we can also go into like why you hate the term influencer and how you think of it at this stage in your work. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, like I wasn't working for a while because I was just like very depressed and anxious. So, so like brands mm-hmm. were reaching out, but like I wasn't reading the inquiries. <laughs> I wasn't there. Yeah. And then I also wasn't going in my inbox for a long time. And to be honest, like when I finally went in it again in like Q1 of, of 2023, I was like, oh, dang, there were some opportunities that would have paid very well that I didn't even see, you know what I mean? So it, yeah, there's that, there's that consequence, you know, of like leaving and or of just being tapped out. But like when you're going through it in terms of your mental health, like there's really nothing you can do. Yeah. So, well, actually no, because a lot of people push themselves forward anyway, and that leads to more damage. Um, you know, cause again, the pressure to perform, the pressure to be on the pressure to just like show up by any means necessary is very, prevalent, I think. And I don't just think I know, again, I've had so many conversations with other black female business owners, people with investors, authors, influencers who are like, wait, what you're doing, I need to do that. And I'm like, please, please do. Because if you're feeling this depth of resonance with my story, like, there's something to that. Mm -hmm. And there's a life on the other side. And it's a lot more peaceful. Mm -hmm. But the term influencer has always rubbed me the wrong way. But I think particularly, I remember being at this, um, I was like shopping in Chicago when I still lived there. I saw this little girl wearing a shirt and it said influencer on it. And I was like, is this what the little kids are aspiring towards now? I was like, wait, what? And I actually found out, yes, they are. Because there have been studies where they ask little kids what they want to be when they grow up and they say influencers. And I'm like, this is sick. This is sick. Like it really disturbs me on a number of levels. It really does. And, you know, again, for me, I think it irks me just on a, on a logical level, because I'm like, this isn't what I wanted to be when I grew up. I'm an artist. I'm a creative. I am an entrepreneur. um, I am a writer. I host things. I produce things. I direct things. I would never just be like, Hi, I'm Lauren and I'm an influencer. What? Like that's, to me, that's extremely awkward on a number of levels and it's not even accurate of who I am. And to me, it also distills my entire essence down to something that's inherently connected to marketing and capitalism. Mm. Don't get me wrong. I do enjoy money. I do enjoy money. (laughs) And I do like to like share things that I like to buy with other people because I'm very enthusiastic person, if you haven't noticed, and I feel like I have great taste. Yes, you do. (laughs) And those who want to like also be in this great taste life with me, hey, yeah, why don't you go get this like skin serum because it worked for me and it might work for you too. But like, that's not like at the top of the list of things that I do or like I'm about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, it just feels like a fraction and like the smallest fraction of who I am and just like altogether, like not even like resonant with who I am. Again, part of what I'm hearing is like the way that the term influencer diminishes all of the things that you do and tries to just like almost flatten it all into promoting Mm -hmm. other people's shit when that is like only the smallest byproduct of this really rich set of practices that you have. And then when we put that within like capitalism and within social media, companies use the term influencer to 
capitalize off of other people's communities. They also use it to pay people less because they're just influencers or they're just influencing instead of doing all those things you mentioned, art directing, envisioning new futures, creating communities. Like that term is like, I think, weaponized against creators and artists and community builders to flatten their work. And I'm really hearing that come out in your experience. 100%. So after you stepped away from Instagram, you stepped away from brand work just for the sake of taking care of yourself and your mental health, like just entirely stepped away from your inbox. I agree. I can think of so many people who are going to hear that and be like, wow, I never thought that was possible for me. And hearing that you just did it and you're on the other side, I think is liberating to so many people, like knowing it's possible. Yeah. So how has you leaving Instagram has it changed the relationship between you and Black Girl and Ohm? Has it changed your role in the company? Mm-hmm. Black Girl and Ohm is still on Instagram. Yeah. How do you think about the social media presence for your business and community when you've made such a clear decision social media is not for you? So yeah, I'm thinking about this a lot right now and planning a lot of things that moving forward will shift our community interaction to not be on social media. I mean, the beautiful thing is from day one, I've always prioritized having a newsletter. You know, newsletter is so essential for so many reasons for when and if social media is no longer for you. Like, yeah, you garnered, I don't know how many followers, 10,000, 10 million, but like, do you even have a newsletter with them? Mm -hmm. So that when you leave one day, you can actually stay in touch. So I'm glad that I have. My, my vision definitely entails bringing the community together in really beautiful, intentional ways in an algorithm-free environment, which is what, again, Black Girl Gnome was from its very inception, <laughs> like bringing yeah. the community together in an algorithm-free environment. Like that's what we were doing. And any social media kind of activation or, or posting or, or what have you will be from a social media manager. It won't be from me, you know? I'm not like anti-social media. I'm definitely like pro-intentionality with it. But for me and my nervous system, I don't need to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't need to be there. And so, you know, I have a designer that I've been working with. She's amazing. And she is going to be most likely the one also stepping into the social media manager role, which is great because she's more keen on it. You know, there are a lot of people who are, and that's great. I think that actually takes me perfectly to where I wanted to kind of close us, which is I wanted to read something that you wrote in the first email you sent me to take us back to that email conversation. Yes. It was so beautiful. I just feel like everyone needs to hear it. I feel like it encapsulates so much of what you're passionate about and what you're doing right now. So here's what you said. I feel very passionate and lit up at the vision of embodying liberation from the social media matrix for more Black women and women of color who are also on the hamster wheel of social media as entrepreneurs, influencers, or business owners. I want to show them that there are ways to cultivate and grow meaningful community outside of the algorithmic constraints and brand partnerships that may not feel wholly authentic to them. I see Black Girl and Ohm and your new Substack newsletter, The Place to Be, as where you're stepping into this vision. Yes. And I just wanted to bring it here (laughs) and invite you maybe to share like, how can other Black women and women of color step into this with you? And where do you want them to meet you in this work? I love that. So I mean, I would just invite anyone to literally just email me, email me if they're resonating with this in any way, Lauren at BlackGirlAndOm.com. I love to connect with people about this topic. It's I'm very passionate about it, like so passionate about it. Mm-hmm. Like I've mentioned a few times, I've had several conversations with other Black women that are extremely well known and extremely successful by external standards, I would say, like worldly standards, if you will, that are not happy or have gone through depression or have gone through mental health moments, and they haven't shared about it for a variety of reasons. I understand also why people choose not to share. But it comes back much like it did for me in part to social media. 
right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, wow, many of us are out here pretending like things are fine when like they're not. And that's a problem. That's a problem. So I just want to be a resource for people. You know, I'm not anybody's therapist, but <laughs> I am someone who just likes to connect and find ways that we can support one another's like lives and work in the world. And yeah, you know, I created The Place to Be, which is my newest project that I'm so excited about. It is virtually hosted in Substack, but it is way more expansive than that. I've been actually hosting like these private gatherings that bring together people over food and conversation. And I've just been blessed to have friends of mine who are just incredible visionaries and authors and entrepreneurs and wellness practitioners come. I hosted one in Brooklyn. I hosted one in Chicago and I have more coming up. It's really inspired though by my reclamation of myself as a creative first. You know, like I don't need to be on Instagram showing off these dinners and gatherings and like bragging to people about who is there. Like I can just host them and love it and be present with the moment, you know, and it's where I share my writing and my reflections and what I find interesting and what I find, you know, moving. And so it just feels like there's nothing for me to prove. There's no one for me to prove it to. And it allows for people to directly support my voice and my presence in the world as well. So it really just feels like a good energy exchange as well. And I'm really excited about it. We'll link to that in the show notes, of course, along with everything else that you're doing and places that people can find you online or connect online and then take it offline. Um, (laughs) Is there anything else you want to share before we sign off today? Just that I love Off the Grid. (laughs) Well, Off the Grid loves you. Yay! I've literally been like sharing it with everybody. I'm like, you gotta listen to this, listen to this episode, and then go to that episode. It's so great. Oh, well, I'm honored. So, thank you for, you know, creating the space and all the things that you're doing within the podcast and audio realm, too. It's all so important. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you, Lauren. I really enjoyed stepping into this conversation together and having you on the show. And for listeners, we will see you off the grid. We will. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Off The Grid. Find links and resources in the show notes. And don't forget to grab your free Leaving Social Media Toolkit at softersounds.studio slash B-Y-E-I-G. This podcast is a Softer Sounds production. Our music is by Melissa Caitlin Carter, and our logo is by Natelier Studio. If you'd like to make a podcast of your own, we'd love to help. Find more about our services at softersounds.studio. Until next time, we'll see you off the grid. Let's go off the grid. Okay. Let's go off the grid. Okay. I know that you really want to put your phone.